Hello and welcome to the Gimme More Gingy podcast. I'm your host, Gingy, and I've always lived my life outside of the social norms. With that being said, here I will share unmasked stories of my own as we explore ideas surrounding wellness, personal development, spirituality, sexuality, and so much more. All aimed at the objective in helping you align and honor your authentic self to explore different viewpoints and most importantly, to continue growing together. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. You know you are for the second time now. For the second time, second appearance. Is it an honor? Yeah. Who's ever done two times on the Give Me More Gingy podcast? Actually, Renell has already been on twice, but it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'm the first guy. I'm the only guy. <laughs> I'm I the wonder only why. Man. <laughs> All right. Hello, hello. It is your girl, Gingy, and welcome to the Gimme More Gingy podcast. Today, we are so honored because we have Kevin Mendez back on the podcast for a second time. We have Kevin on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Let's do that again. Bro, everything is going to be in it. Your first and last name is on everything. No, no, I do put my I do put my surfing stuff on my regular one. We are here, baby. <laughs> Did you Are we only talking about drip and shoot today? We can talk about whatever you like. I'd like to give a shout out though to Butt Snorkeler for the mug. Did I say that you could just shout out anything and everything that you wanted? No, but I'm on this podcast, so I get to plug some stuff. That's how these podcasts work. <laughs> and I chose you, but snorkeler. <laughs> I need some more stuff. I think mine's pretty cute. This is honestly this tea. I used to buy it all the time. It's so good. It's a very great tea. It is. It's If you're curious, it is the Red Radish. I don't know, no, but it's, it's from the, Trader Joe's. The Red Hibiscus Tea. I don't know why she said radish. The Radish Tea. Oh, that sounds absolutely terrible my bad my bad so how have you been dude i've been good you know just uh doing interviews shooting surf content doing photography content on the the modeling end as well um just trying to stay busy and put my little toes into every little grain of sand i can yeah just let you know this is you got to be delicate with delicate with tapping on this because it picks up in the microphone yeah i thought about that once i tapped <laughs> okay. <I could> hear. <laughs> okay. Uh, well honestly you've been killing it with the model interviews thank you i appreciate that it's been it's been fun and i honestly have been enjoying doing the interviews more than i have doing the actual photo shoots and why so i like talking to people okay it's fun to get into the side of someone's brain the interviews i put onto social media are like the most in-depth interviews Uh, that conversation usually happens before those interviews go down but Depending on the mood I'm in and how I vibe with someone, I'll start off the interview by trying to just free flow questions and just see what they have to say and how they answer it and, you know, see where the conversation goes. And then I get to the fun, like clippy content questions. And yeah. Have you ever thought about putting like a whole interview on YouTube and then just taking like the cool social bites? I have. I have done that actually. Oh. I got some some full full interviews on YouTube. This is another plug. Right. YouTube.com slash at drip and shoot. <laughs> You're such a shit. <laughs> but you know what? Yes, go follow. The interviews are great. We love them. What what social platform do you feel is performing best when it comes to that content? Facebook. Believe it or not, Facebook is the platform right now. When it comes to pushing out content and monetizing content and it's pretty wild because i thought facebook was just completely dead but the numbers that i'm doing on facebook compared to everywhere else it just no other platforms topping it careful you're rocking everything oh no <laughs> no but seriously it is interesting how because i mean you told me about facebook and i've slowly I'm slowly getting on it. I'm trying, man. You have to. Facebook is where it's at. I know. It's just hard because it's so many freaking platforms that you're constantly thinking about. And I understand it's one piece of content and you're putting it up for all of them. But I used to. I Honestly, it makes me think back watching a bunch of Gary Vee content and he would always talk about 
taking your content and it needs to go on Twitter, it needs to go on Facebook, it needs to go on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever else there is, YouTube, you know, all of all of the platforms. And every time he would talk about that stuff, I was literally only utilizing Instagram. And, you know, I just didn't want to mess with the other ones. When TikTok came out, I, you know, once again, the Gary Vee method of being one of the first people onto the platform and trying to get pushed right away and grow your brand and your business through the new platform before anyone else does. I, you know, I, I kind of tried to do that. Wasn't sure what I was doing with it, how I wanted to go about it. So that made it tough, but honestly putting your eggs just in one basket when it comes to social media, I did that for so long and it was so stupid. And now that I actually am consistently posting any content to all of the platforms, it completely changed my outlook on it all because something might bomb on Instagram, but then it blows up on TikTok or it blows up on Facebook or a couple of them and dies on a couple others. Like you just have no idea which way it could go. And you have to give yourself that opportunity for your content to be seen as many as be seen by as many people as possible. And in doing so, it's going to, you're going to reap the benefits of it for your business. The only hard part for myself is yes, all of that is true, but putting the same piece of content on every single platform I heard is not the smartest because each platform people are going there for a different reason. So your copy should change. And then also the structure of like the way it looks should be different because one performs better on one platform than the other. And I, and I agree with that to an extent. I think it depends on what your content is and, you know, ways in which you can take your content to vary it for the other platforms. But it's like most people don't even want to take one piece of content and post it across all of them, let alone create different pieces of content for all of them. So I'd say start with the first step, excuse me, <laughs> start with the first step of posting to every single platform the same piece of content and then see the benefits maybe see what works and what doesn't and then tweak as you need to because at the end of the day if you if you're not posting to all of them you don't even know what the each what wants needs to be seen by the people of a specific platform so you have to learn that so it's all just a testing grounds you know take the one piece of content put that out for a month just same piece across everything and then see how you need to tweak it and you know how the content needs to be constructed to get into the algorithm and, you know, feed the people who are consuming the content and cater it to them. Yeah. I have to say since starting this podcast and really trying to do everything myself, it's a lot. Like I, I finally fully understand why people hire on social media people or even like assistants to do it because it takes a lot of time, just even uploading a lot of it. It's very time consuming. That's something that people people think that being an influencer, content creator, social media personality is easy. And they think that people, they just see the pictures, the videos in its simplest form, edited and ready for everybody to consume, but they don't see what goes on behind it. And unless you're in that world, you really don't understand it. It's like, you know, you see construction that's about to start at a certain place and then you don't ever go back to that construction site and then one day you go back and oh my god it's the building like it's just there like tons of hours and many men and women who constructed it all put it together over weeks upon weeks and you know some content does take that long like look at mr beast that dude takes months to get videos done and out like it's, it's work. It takes work. And it's a lot of the time it takes a team of people, but in the beginning you don't have the resources for that. So you have to do it yourself and you have to go through that struggle to build it up. And then, you know, hopefully you get to a place where you can hire out other people and delegate tasks. So then you can do more and grow your business further, you know, in a way that you wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do by yourself. Yeah. I love that. You explained that really well. I really like the metaphor with the construction site. That's, Thanks. Re- that's really good. I was pretty stoked when I got <laughs> when it popped into my head. I was like, as I started it, I didn't know where I was going to go with the metaphor. And then the construction came into my head. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I see it. People, no. The people will see it too. Let me know if you appreciated that one. <laughs> You're really good at this. Thank you. 
you're getting better and better i have to say i've really enjoyed watching your growth and you kind of like navigating because as we previously mentioned you are killing it with interviews on social media but you've also recently gotten into the niche of surfing and that has picked up for you as well quite fast i think with the surfing thing i surfing is what got me into photography it's something that just surfing content i've consumed since i was a child and i always just absolutely loved it which we actually talked about on the first we episode. Did. So, so uh, link in the description, go back to the first episode and give it a watch. Just listen to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that whole, I just was always into it and loved it just from a visual standpoint, you know, and actually I never really put, I did surf photography, doing the video thing with, I literally just started that. I had never taken, you know, I filmed some surf with my phone and things like that, but to actually have a, you know, the little what's that called the fluid head to pan and like get shots and track the surfer going across the wave i had never done that till recently it is just super fun and it's a it was a new challenge and now you know doing the photo shoot stuff doing the interview stuff and seeing how i need to go about that to you know catch the algorithm and get people engaged and things like that it can be challenging to figure those things out so it was fun to then go to the surf world and be like okay, I know the ins and outs of the surf world fairly decently, the culture and, you know, what people think is kooky and not kooky and what people think is cool and is not cool and all of that type of stuff. And it's fun to play with those things where it's like, let's go in, put out a piece of content, use a trending sound, put certain text on it. Like look, every video I'll look and I'll just take a short clip and be like, okay, Let's go through all of these sounds, see what matches up with it the best. And then now what should I put on the text that's going to engage with someone and find it relatable and things like that. And for me, like I love putting out content of a high performing surfer, but at the end of the day, that's the easiest content to put out and hope it's going to do well because you have a you know professional athlete who is doing a really cool maneuver and people like that. But at the same time, I think more surfing content needs to be relatable to the average surfer. So I'm going to put out clips of someone who reminds me a lot of myself, an average surfer hits a decent maneuver and then is just super stoked on it because so many people are going to relate to it. And you're going to have those dudes that think they're hot shit that make fun of it and whatnot. But it's like, bro, you were there once before. And, uh, and at the end of the day, that says a lot about that person and their character. So if you're that guy, get therapist, but <laughs> yeah it's fun to dive into a whole different niche and explore it and see what works and what doesn't and i think it's really cool to watch you get more into that industry and into that niche Mm -hmm. because you've been surfing for so long you love it it's means so much to you i've never seen someone so obsessed with surfing and it's cool to watch you now approach it from almost a different angle Mm -hmm. yeah it is weird uh it's weird to be someone that has just been into surfing and has surfed through you know i've surfed throughout my life i never really took it serious in any aspect and i just you know just something i do for fun i detach from real life i get lost in the ocean it makes me feel like a little kid and nothing matters when i'm in the ocean and then, you know, with photography, I taking photos of surf photography, it kind of made me feel the same way. And I, what I would do the majority of the time would be if the waves were too big, then I'm, you know, pull out my camera and I still do the same thing. But as I, you know, made friends out here and started actually kind of studying surfing more and wanting to get better and actually paying attention to certain things, uh, then that became a challenge in itself getting better at surfing going from a long board to a short board and changing the style in which i surf and all of that and then incorporating the uh you know photo and video aspect in a different way and kind of looking at surfing from just a completely different standpoint once it was just to escape and just have fun and get lost in the water and then going at it from like a content creator standpoint that was super fun and interesting because then all of a sudden I had a completely different outlook on it and I really had to tap into the surf culture and what I know about it and, you know, tread different waters. I didn't have to before just going out in the 
the ocean. Yeah, and even more so, you've now understand the community and the people a part of it and how their outlook on surfing because I didn't know but you expressed to me that the surfing community is an interesting one there's some people that want to keep it so sacral and to themselves and then there's other people who love it because one they're a part of it but also it not everybody gets the ocean. Not everybody gets to see this. So it's also very interesting to someone who lives in the middle of Ohio yeah. to watch surfing. And that's one thing where um, the surf industry is just going to continue to grow as man-made waves are being produced. You know, and you have Kelly Slater's Ranch, you have Waco in Texas, and you have wave pools just all over the place. So the more access that people get to surfing through these wave pools where like you said, someone in Ohio could never surf. Now all of a sudden a wave pool gets put in down the street. A surf shop gets put in down the streets. People need now to be able to buy equipment and, you know, do something that they never thought they'd be able to do in their town. And, you know, people can travel and go there and whatnot. And so surfing is just going to continue to grow and get bigger as the industry grows inland, which is just kind of wild because, the only people that have ever had access to surfing is people by the coast, you know? And then because of that, you have this weird localism and there's good aspects to it. And there's bad aspects to it where this whole aspect of people think that they own a break or, you know, trash people's cars slash their tires. Cause they don't want them surfing there. You can't bring a buddy to surf at this spot or, you know, no filming here, no this or that. It's like, that is slowly going to go away as social media continues to show surfing and, you know, as those older generations that really feed into that die off, <laughs> which is kind of like a morbid way to put it. But it's like it's all the older guys for the most part that are really heavy, heavy in the localism. But that's just all kind of a joke to me. It's like no one owns a beach. No one owns this break. Like don't go telling someone what they can and can't do with the ocean unless it's going to save their life. Mm -hmm. in the ocean like that's the only time yeah it is also crazy that surfing is still an industry that's up and rising and i mean i'm sure it's well known and there's huge it's a huge niche on social media but to like it's not i don't even know like worldwide in a sense like you talking about how there's three wave pools I know one's in Texas. There, there's way more than that. I oh. was just I was just naming no. a few wave, but different countries they have wave pools and things. But like it that. still seems like it's like up and coming, and people are it's popping up more and more. Yeah, I think it's growing and evolving. Right. Where it's like it's just a very different sport. It's not the NFL where there's you know 32 teams and they're in 32 cities, and if you're not close to one of those cities, you're not going to see an NFL game but they want to grow the brand. So they go to Mexico, they go to England, wherever, Germany, wherever they go overseas to play the sport and to grow the sport. Um, it's fuck. Where are they going with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's different in the fact that you have surfing as a sport with the WSL and, you know, how they put together surf competitions and it's, you know, in specific locations. So it's similar in that aspect, but you don't have, you're not going to go down the street and see people playing a full-blown game of football organized with, you know, at your local park. You can go down the beach and you're going to see everybody surfing. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're into football, you are into the NFL or college football, where if you're into surfing, you don't necessarily have to care about any of the pro surfers or who's, you, you might not even know who's on the tour and who competes and things like that. But, excuse me. <laughs> That needs to get cut. <laughs> but you might be into the social media, the surfers you follow on social media and you follow on YouTube and things like that. So it completely changed. Back in the day, to make money, you had to compete. You had to win competitions to make any money. You had to get sponsorships, things like that. Now you can be on social media. Then you, it became free surfing where you could team up with whatever you know, companies that put out DVDs and 
things like that to make a cool surf film. And then you have social media come along where now there's just so many ways to monetize your brand as a surfer and, you know, make merchandise, make your own videos, monetize the channels and things like that. So it's pretty cool to see how social media, once again, takes a specific, you know, sport or genre of content and transcends it to be something that no one would have ever guessed it could be. And where do you see your brand going? Have you thought about the future of in the direction you're trying to pursue? I have. Right now, I'm just at that point where I just want to produce content, have fun with it, and kind of just let things take the course that it's going to take. But, you know, I, I want, I'm as strategic about with it as much as possible, but it's so hard to say exactly. Like, I would love to, you know, have cool merch and things like that that are relatable to other people. And, you know, for instance, where I surf here in Huntington beach, I want to create logos and have some of the pictures put onto merchandise that other people can buy. And they're going to appreciate the way I appreciate it because Huntington beach and these specific spurts, these specific surf spots are so near and dear to their heart. And uh, so it's things like that where people see that and they're like, Oh, I would love to have it because it's heartfelt merchandise. Like I would love to do that. Um, I like to work with other surf companies and help produce content for them or, you know, on my channel, but working with them, things like that. There's a lot of different avenues I would like to go, but right now I'm just having fun with the fact that this is just something I'm doing for pure pleasure and whichever way it goes, it's going to go and the journey is going to kind of take shape and I'm just going to ride the wave. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're good. <laughs> you like that? That was a good one. <laughs> Metaphors, baby. Oh my gosh. So if you had to choose one, the interviews or surf content, which one would you do? Oh, that is so hard. You got to choose one. I'm probably going to surf content. I, I don't like, I love talking to people, but I can surf or I can talk to people without creating the content i mean i can surf without creating the content too but creating content around surfing and being on the beach is just so much fun and i just any time i can be involved in surfing whether it's doing it creating content around it or just sitting there watching it i'll take that all day long mm -hmm. you've you've made me watch more and more of it and i do actually i'm starting to enjoy it more and more yes it, it's just it's very relaxing it's just a wild concept to surf a wave. It really like, is. This huge body of water creates this thing where people have to paddle out past these waves and then use this piece of equipment to paddle in and ride it. And the fact that it's even possible is just kind of wild. If you really get crazy and you break it down and think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I can't wait to continue surfing. Or at least attempting. <laughs> Attempt it again, baby. She sent it once. Tell us, uh, tell the people about your surfing experience and how you felt. Um, so during the summer, Mr. Kevin decided that we were going to go surfing one day. And I was like, you know what? I used to surf when I was younger. Well, I went probably like three times total. But my stepdad definitely bought me a... Uh, Roxy. A ro <laughs> Roxy surfboard, but also what do you call? Oh, a wet in a wetsuit. But we only went twice, and then I went one time in high school. But we went to right down the street and got a foam board because that is what set. That is what Kevin said is the best for me at this yeah, current moment. Got a nice little beginner foamy, so you know don't have to worry about it hitting her in the shins or the head or anything crazy, and she can go in and just. Take a pounding by the ocean and uh, live. <laughs> I think you. <laughs> I think you also underestimated my ability to swim and maneuver in the ocean because you think no one understands the ocean. <laughs> Which no, <I> that is <laughs> not true. That is pretty true. Let's be honest. As soon as you got out there, you were exhausted. I was holding my weight perfectly fine. No, you held your weight. You, was you I sent it. You was I job. bitching and complaining the whole time? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. That's how That's how I work best. Like I already told you, I will tell the people of the Gimme More Gingy podcast <laughs> that she held her own. I was impressed. And I have friends who were way bigger wimps about it than she ever was. And I told her to go and she went. And it didn't matter if that short break was going to send her into the <laughs> sand. 
and she was going to come up with a mouthful of sand. She was sanded. <laughs> I was. It is such a weird feeling when you're paddling, paddling, and then you're, you know, jumping onto your feet to push up. Like, it's a weird feeling when you're on top of the wave before it goes down. It is. It's, I feel very, like it's, it's, it's hard to describe that feeling in which that you feel the built up of the energy and then you know all of a sudden where you're connected and you're one with it and you're just going. Like yeah. you're at the mercy of the wave, basically. Yeah. I am very intrigued to go continue surfing and seeing what happens and just being having it being like a fun hobby. Yeah. I also think now that it's changing because of the fact there's wave pools, like it's still not universal. I mean it's universal on the coast around the world in that aspect, but it's not, you know, very very uh available to people who live inland and uh, if you live in the middle of countries and you don't have an ocean then you're you're screwed which so that that's changing though which is a nice thing with wave pools people continue to be able to experience it but it is something that you know not even living on the beach like not a lot of people surf like sure out here a lot of people surf but then you take the general population and you look at it and you're like there's not that many people surfing compared to not surfing, you know? And, uh, and it's kind of wild. Like in growing up in Sonoma, I lived an hour from the coast. Nobody surfed. I had two friends that I knew that surfed and recently found out a third guy went to high school that surfed. And I'm sure there's, there's more. That's interesting to, that you say that because I feel like that's equivalent from people that live in like Riverside. Because yeah, yeah, during exactly. the summer, we have like the U.S. Open here and mm -hmm. you always hear like so many yeah, Riverside. Right, right. Yeah. But I'm sure because they're like close enough, but far enough away, there's probably barely no one. Yeah. And, and like where I grew up, you don't have Surfline cameras like you do out here. So you can't just get on to Surfline and check every surf spot and know if it's good or not. Oh, like, I didn't realize how new that was. It's not necessarily. Well, it is new to any like, you know, when you look at how long surfing has been around and how long surfline has been around, but surfline has been around for quite a while now. And, um, but the video cameras, the video cameras, I don't know how long they've been around, but you know, a decent enough time now, not, not crazy long. I, don't, I honestly don't know. Maybe 10 years, 15 years, not too sure. I think surfline might be like 30 years old, something like that. Hmm. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. You can look it up, <laughs> but not every spot has cameras and not every spot is, it's not every spot is possible to have cameras because you need electricity and you need to be able to power it and have, you know, the service to run those cameras 24 hours a day. And some places are just, especially in Northern California are too remote. And, uh, and I'm sure it's a struggle for some of these places for Surfline to get into because people probably lobby against it. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's what were we talking about. I don't know. Distraction? Where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm drink some more tea and collect my thoughts. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So I went surfing. Oh, I remember. Of course, I remember. <laughs> as soon as you want to start talking, I remember. It. Of course, take it away, Kevin. Keep take it away. But what I was saying is that it is a unique activity to partake in. It is, given the fact that someone who's 30, 40, 50 an hour away isn't even doing it, and people find great interest in it. Like back in Northern California, people were always like, oh, you surf? Like, oh my God, tell me about it. Like, that's so cool. Like they hadn't even met someone who surfed, which is just a wild concept for me. But hey, everyone snowboards and I don't. Damn, that is so crazy. Well, I'm excited that you're invoking on this journey and kind of bringing surfing in a aspect of surfing to people who don't have direct access to the beach or to surfing. That that right there is, I think, is the most rewarding part of creating surf content is that I'm realizing from the YouTube comments and social media content comments in general that people commenting are people who are too old to surf anymore and they thank me for making this piece of content and them being able to relive watching the surf at a spot they used to go to or people who live inland that don't have any access to surfing and they get to see the surf you know more often now and things like that or people who got in had really bad injuries where they can't surf anymore or whatever reason surfing 
had they had never had it or it was taken away from them in some extent and they are thankful for the fact that more surfing content is coming out and they can see different places and different point of views of people and see what was going on you know in Huntington Beach or in San Francisco like a week ago or the day before or whatever and see like oh that's what people were doing that day at that break it's like that's so cool Mm -hmm. I think that's the most awesome thing is people who are like legitimately and genuinely thankful for the content. Yeah. I think it would be so cool if you get the opportunity to start traveling to other breaks around the world to mm-hmm. record. Yeah. And that's one of the goals too, you know, is there's so many breaks around the world that my desire to travel, I've never had this crazy desire to travel and see the world. Like I want to, but it's not, it's not like, oh, what is something you have to do before you die? Like, I have to go see all these places. The, there are those places. Uh, I take that back. There are the places I want to see before I die. But I'm not like, I don't know, super gung-ho like some people are. Like traveling is everything. And the thing that inspires me or makes me motivated to travel is like I want to go to all these beach breaks. I want to go to see where all these different waves are and find the experience and see everything that I have watched on TV or my computer and my phone for years and years. I've seen all the photographs, you know, in surfing and surfer magazine and all that stuff. I feel like the people you would meet along the way would be such chill, cool, down to earth people because I feel that is the type of community around areas where surfing is able to happen. Yeah. There there and that's, you know, definitely true to an extent and then you have the localism issues where there's certain people they don't want you there you know like you have to know someone to be able to even get access or you might get punked in the water or things like that so you have to you have to that's where just knowing surf culture and knowing certain locations and doing your research comes in handy to make sure that you're not going to a place especially if you're filming content like if I'm going somewhere, I want to film content. And obviously, I know there's certain places where that's just not going to be possible. And you just have to respect it. But uh, yeah, you got to be you definitely have to be careful and know what you're doing and make sure that you're not stepping on anyone's toes and that the locals there are going to give you problems. But at the same time, you know, the majority of places I'm sure are going to be super welcoming and excited. That's how I am. You know, someone comes to surf places that i grew up surfing or have surfed before or whatever like i'm excited to show them and give them a new experience because i know what those experiences mean to me when people do that for me Mm -hmm. that's super cool so going back to the other type of content that you make Mm -hmm. which is the model interview yes you obviously are a photographer and Mm -hmm. for a long time you do landscape but you also do portraits and bikini and boudoir type of photography what made you think of turning it and now not only photographer capturing doing a photo shoot with mm-hmm. models and now turning it into video form and interviewing them so doing photo shoots one of my favorite things is just meeting new people and being able to talk to them and you know they asked me about my experience and my journey and how I started shooting models and, you know, how we ended up where we are right now in this moment doing this photo shoot. And, <laughs> and I, and I asked them, I asked them the same thing mm-hmm. and it's so fun. To, it's so fascinating to hear people's journeys, especially when you have someone coming from Tennessee to Vegas to LA and now here they are in Huntington beach coming to do interviews or do a photo shoot or whatever it is. Like so many people have so many different paths that are so intriguing and they're all, some of them are so similar and some of them are so different. And I just love learning people's stories and just getting to know them as a person and their views on the world and the industry and things like that. Um, so I'd always thought about doing a podcast and I'd always say like, Oh, one of these days I'm going to start a podcast, which I haven't done, which I probably should, which she's inspiring me to make me want (laughs) to do a podcast. But, uh, which is, this is everything you're explaining right now is literally why I started mine so that I could put myself in situations to, to learn about people and learn about their journeys and Mm -hmm. take their experience and feel it for yourself yeah because in our society we are so programmed and conditioned to have certain beliefs and Mm -hmm. certain ways of thinking but people 
when you actually dive deep and ask them, you realize how differently everybody thinks and how different everybody's perspective is on the world. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and you always it's get true. to learn something. I love all the things I've learned yeah. from just asking questions. You, you you always learn. That's that's the most fun thing is learning because I'm I'm not asking them just about their journey. You know, I'm asking them about business advice and whatever dating advice, relation, you know, whatever it is. And uh, and then to get back to how I got into it, my buddy Troy at Serving Up Sarcasm, check him out. Uh, Dude, you, you just freaking plugging everything <laughs> and anything. Honestly, that's but the I love most it. fun thing about doing a podcast is being able to throw the plugs in. You no, know? yeah, no, please you plug see, everybody. You always see like the big people going on and stuff that you watch, and they're doing their plugs here and there, and you're yeah. like, I want to do some plugs. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm all about but, it. I always tell everybody, please plug everything. Yeah, like people like, talk about like, oh, I'm gonna do a shameless plug. It's like, no, own the plug and have fun with the plug. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so my buddy Troy serving up sarcasm. He does interviews and like man on the street type stuff. So he literally just goes up to strangers and asks them ridiculous questions and just has so much fun doing it. And he was the one that was like, dude, at your photo shoots, interview the models. And I was like, light bulb went off. And I was Mm. like, bro, I'm like, that is such a good idea. He's like, dude, you have the camera, you have the setup. I just get a microphone and start interviewing them, asking them questions. I take, here's some questions that you can start with that I ask people, come up with your own questions, things like that. So I kind of went into it as, yeah, just started asking people I'd already shot with saying that this is what I wanted to do. Like, would you be open to it? And I started doing it. And then I started having people tell me, you know, how much they enjoyed seeing me do something different. And that's not being done in the model photography world. So it was just this new, fresh thing for content. And uh, I enjoyed it a lot. So it worked out perfectly. And I'm glad that I started it. Yeah, no, I, I love watching them. And all the questions that you ask and the responses, because everybody's response is always completely different. Yeah. And I, that's the crazy thing is how you can ask one question and so many people have so many different answers. Mm-hmm. And it just so they're so vastly different. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, that's crazy. Like, and then the, when I ask certain questions, you know, I'll dive into why do you feel that way? Or why do you think that? Like what experiences in your life? led you to feel this way and give that answer and then they you know get deeper on that and uh you really get to inside someone's brain and learn the way they think yeah and how since you have done a lot of shooting with models which are mainly women what is the one topic you've learned a lot about i think the topic I've learned the most about probably the adult industry, like just the adult industry as a whole. I have learned so much about that, working with so many people who are in the adult world that it's just have a completely different outlook than any your average person would. Mm-hmm. And I think those people that are in the adult world, only fans, professionals, you know, adult world stuff, like I think that stuff is so interesting. And I think those people are also very misunderstood. And it's funny to see how free-spirited a lot of them are compared to other people. And it's like, yeah, it's just so interesting. So there's some of my favorite people I've ever met, ever worked with. Like from in most cases, they've been just the most fun, most free-spirited, free-flowing people. Like nothing bothers them and they are really embrace experiences and want to make the most of it and enjoy it to its fullest which i uh, envy yeah i 100% agree with you you said that really well thank you good job (laughs) but also with shooting women i feel that you have gained such an insight into how women actually think and how they view for instance relationships oh for sure That's another very, very interesting aspect in it is the fact that I feel I have a different outlook on women in general compared to most most other people and especially the beautiful Instagram models like people have this outlook on them as if, oh, they're a hot model. They have no problems in life. Like They don't have financial issues. They don't have emotional issues. They don't have physical issues. They don't have any problem in the world they're this perfect beautiful specimen that has everything handed to them and life is easy i'm a man and i'm not attractive or i am attractive but i'm a man so life's harder for me like everybody has their own struggles regardless of whether you are a man a woman 
whether regardless of race, gender, whatever it is, like you have struggles and problems and things like that. And I almost feel like people kind of dehumanize them to an extent where it's like it's not a real human being there. Mm-hmm. And I get to learn about so much from from these women and get inside of their brain like other people don't have the opportunity to. And that's something that I feel lucky to do where I get to take that stuff on, you know, I get to learn about women and I get to take that into my personal life, whether it's friends or relationships, you know, and things and things like that. I was about to say, do you feel that you have in return helped your friends since learning the things that you have? Yeah, 100%. I, uh, it allows me to, because I've talked to so many women and I've heard so many stories about you know, everything under the sun at this point is that when a, when a friend comes to me, whether it's male or female and they come to me with problems or aren't sure how to handle a certain situation, I feel like I have a story that I learned something from, from one of the girls that I can apply to in that situation. Like, well, you know, so-and-so said this, like they had this issue with their boyfriend or they had this issue with another photographer. They had this issue with a friend or or a family member. And this is how they handled it. This was their thought process, thought process on it. And hopefully, you know, there's something there, a little nugget that can make them see the situation differently and help them kind of maneuver that situation moving forward. Yeah. I've always enjoyed talking to my girlfriends about their relationships and then using it for myself and even other guys talking about their relationships with women. I think I enjoy talking to the models about their relationships because I'm so disconnected from it. I don't know the majority of them, when we, especially when we have these conversations for the first time. I don't know them very closely. I don't know the people. I only am taking the information they're giving me and assessing it on that. Where like, you know, friends who have girlfriends or boyfriends, like I know them, I know their significant other to some extent. So I already have my experience with these people. And that's when my bias can step come into play when I'm giving opinions or, you know, it can be beneficial at the same time because I do know both parties so well where I can maybe give better advice, but, um, it's just way more interesting. It's just also just easier because you're not emotionally attached to anything and you don't have to worry about things like that you know so what would you say is something if you can think off at the top of your head <clears throat> something that women think men think that is wrong <laughs> and what men think about women oh that is that is a lot to unpack just do like one thing i don't know so like say that again so so what is something that women have wrong about men yeah oof man that is so hard because i i I just have a really hard time generalizing men and women even though i'm guilty of doing it a lot but in certain situations where i'm trying to really assess it and break it down i don't know give me an example do you have anything i was thinking like a general concept would be women think that like men are so complicated but in reality they're simple creatures i I would say that there's i think there's this thing that men are just sex-driven creatures where and lack emotion where yes men a lot of men are very sexual creatures and but no with the lack of emotion and that men are very emotional. Like I, man, I, like people always make jokes about like, Oh, girls are so emotional. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I'm like, I got me a boy over here. Who's <laughs> he's more emotional than any woman. I know. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's a very emotional dude. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where things get misconstrued. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things where you can just get into like stereotypes about men and what's real and what's not. And, you know, a lot of stereotypes, there's truths to it. And then you have to dig into culturally why those things are there and, you know, years of history to have brought this to be something like that. But, you know, that was a very tough, tough question over here, Miss Podcaster. (laughs) I think another thing that I'm thinking at the top of my head would be a lot of women when they are 
starting to date someone, they kind of put them through a lot of tests uh-huh. to see how far they can kind of push them, but also kind of see where they're at and I- how and how much they're actually want to be into that relationship. Like how serious yeah, are yeah, they? Yeah. And I and I do I get that. Like I do believe there's certain tests or like a good way to go about doing things. I don't think tests should ever be extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to come from a very good place where I feel like there's a lot of people, men and women, who will do tests with malicious intent. And they would never, never, ever actually admit to it where they're either self-sabotaging or they like think they know they're going to get a certain reaction out of the man and they want to get that or the woman. And they want to get that and they want to tell themselves, like, I knew it. I was right. Mm -hmm. I know how to assess this person. I know exactly what's going on where... That is very, I just think it's very toxic, mm-hmm. but you have to go into it with, there are certain ways to test people and try to learn stuff. But I, I think the most important thing is communication. And if you're not able to communicate with someone from the very beginning, like, yes, you can always work on communication, but if your communication is not there, like it's going to make your relationship so much more difficult. And that goes for friendships and intimate relationships. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do is really to get down into the nitty gritty and communicate the tough things. It's easy to talk about things when it's all perfect and fine and dandy. But when it gets hard, that's when you got to dig in and grab a drink. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so what would you recommend for people that do have a hard time having the tough conversation? What would you recommend in order to have that? I think you just need to be very neutral in the way that you approach this. I think too many people have this quick way of going about things where they're, they're automatically point the finger at the other person. So like if you, if I have an issue with you and I don't like the way you're asking me questions for this podcast or something like that, if I want to talk to you about it later, I'm going to sit you down and I'm going to say, Hey, I really liked X, Y, and Z. And I appreciate that you did. You appreciate I appreciate that you did these certain things. But when you mentioned this or you did this, I didn't really appreciate it. This is why I know that I can, you know, fill in the blank on taking accountability. I know the role I played but let's talk about this and make sure this type of thing doesn't happen moving forward and things like that. I think it's to structure it. It's us to verse the issue, not me yeah, yeah, yeah. versus issue. And that's versus a beautifully you. put way to break that down. <laughs> it's the two of us trying to accomplish this and move forward past this and grow from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you're going to go to it attacking someone or you're just going to take the blame all yourself while you're trying to address the issue. Like it does nothing for anybody. It's just going to make things worse. Right. I also like how in your example, you started off with a compliment and saying something positive first Mm -hmm. to then rotate into the issue. Yeah. Like if you go into a situation you're like, so I had a problem with something I want to talk to you about. Automatically that person is put on edge. Mm Mm-hmm. Where if you go into it and be like, hey, I liked this and I liked that, you're starting off with positive affirmations and this person feels like they just feel good about themselves right away and they're more open because you're going to be way more open to taking compliments than you will be taking negativity. So you're opening them up and then lightly bring on you know, the, the negative aspect that needs to be addressed. And I think you're going to get way more out of a person rather than automatically going to negative because people just close up right then and there on the negative side. Absolutely. It's almost like you're a comm major or something. You know, I did study communication. <laughs> Funny enough, so did I. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and now you have a podcast and I'm talking to you on the podcast. Wow. It's crazy how yeah. everything just works out. And people want to make jokes about communication majors and say that they only do it because it's an easy major. Well, guess what? People's some of people's biggest problems in life are their communication. Seriously, even starting this podcast, I noticed that myself and the way that I talked needed a lot of fixing. Yeah, because unfortunately, that's how I feel every time I speak. But you gotta take, you gotta learn from it. You know, figure out the things, and it's the same thing with talking to yourself and assessing your own self. You gotta start with the positive, and then go with the negative. You know, and it's not even a negative; it is a 
we can work in order to fix yeah, yeah, yeah. this. So you got to look at You have to find the solution to the problem. Exactly. And so I think so many people too, this is now on the aspect of growth as a human being, an individual, whether you're getting better just as a person in general or you're getting better with, you know, trying to get better on a certain task or something. I think it's very, very important that you do pay attention to the positive stuff and then stuff that you said that you need to work on. Don't look at it necessarily as a negative. Look at it from the positive light as that this is something I can work on and I can get better. Mm-hmm. You know, getting better just a smidge at a time. You're going to continue to grow and grow and that's all going to build up. And then you're going to look back and be like, whoa, look where I was and look where I am now. Like there's so much growth. Mm-hmm. There's so much beauty and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You can do so much with it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I've had a lot of fun with you today. Thanks. I had a lot of fun too. <laughs> I can tell. You talked really well. Thank I really you. enjoyed listening to you and I'm sure my audience absolutely loved. Wow. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. But before we go, is there any final thoughts you'd like to say or is there anything else you want to plug, talk about? No, I think I did my plugs, <laughs> but I think just after everything we talked about today and talking about trying new things and, you know, communication and all the all the tough stuff you know that we went over the positive the negatives all that type of thing i would say if you're listening to this and you're someone that wants to try something new whether it's going to the gym and working out for the first time or getting into a routine or starting a podcast or just starting to post content on social media or just trying to better a relationship with a friend or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it might be i would say just start taking those steps and let it be a slow growth and don't be afraid of facing any negativity or viewing yourself in a certain way. Just start, get out there, start doing what you want to do and inch by inch, just try to get better and better at whatever it is. Because at the end of this, at the end of the day, when we're sitting on our deathbed, you're going to look back at what you did with your life. And me personally, I want to see as much growth as possible. I want to look at increments of my life and say between 15 and 20 I grew between 20 and 25 I grew 25 to 30 40 to 50 60 to 70 hopefully I go 90 to 100 like I want there just to be constant growth and I want to look back at my life and just be satisfied and be happy with the trajectory that me as a person went I think everybody else would too that was beautiful thanks wow All right. Well, we're going to end off with that. But thank you again, Kevin, for coming onto the podcast. Shout out to (laughs) Snorkel. Oh, my God. Go follow him. Go see all the things that he's up to, including the model interviews and all the serving content. I will have everything linked below. But until next time, Gingy out. Kevin out. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. You killed it.